never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the show that worries that the only chance we'll get to see the Snyder Cut is when it's time to choose the form of the Destructor. <laughs> my name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey dude, um, I know you, uh, how are you, first off? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I I'll know, <laughs> I assume at this point you've gotten a chance to uh, listen to the uh, footage from Comic-Con, or C2E2. Yeah. I'm not fully through the episode, but I'm loving it. Like, uh, I'm really enjoying the episode so far, and um, far? especially with everything going on, like, it's really nice to have, like, an episode like that to kind of, like, take your mind off everything and, like, kind of live vicariously through your C2E2 adventure. You I know, know? and uh, it's, it's, it's just surreal that we were, you know, at C2E2 joking about the current situation, and here we are living the current situation. Yeah. Um, so we'll come back to that in one second. Um, let's, look, there's, there's no way around this. I, we, so last week when we talked, we talked about, um, we talked about doing uh, virus movies and stories and that kind of things for our list this week. Um, but it's a little too close to home, I think. Um, and yeah. I, so for those of you listening, if you were wanting to hear that, that's a list that I plan on doing at some point, cause it sounds like a fun list to talk about, but it's a little too close to home right now and too on the nose. So we're going to push it and just save that list for a later date. Uh, when I think we can all laugh about this. Um, what I want to say though, is I have this like really dark sense of humor. And I know I expressed that last week. And what I mean by that is when I, so like viruses, this is really hard to talk about without, cause it's all anyone wants to talk about right now. But when I put it, yeah. let's put it this way. Let me, let me start over. Um, when we started this show, the whole point of this show was to try and be a positive space of escape for our listeners to sit and listen to hear stories about things that we like. Um, we want to talk about shows we like and movies we like and books we read and comic books. And um, we want to talk about collecting and things that just we use to escape from our daily lives. And um, this is a time when something in the real world is creeping into our daily lives in terms of our escapism and it's everywhere. And, there are some people I've talked to that are like, they're actually pretty scared and it's not, and it's not to be made light of anymore. So I don't want to do a virus movie list or a virus TV list or something like that right now. It's just not the right time. Um, so that list is getting pushed, but I was thinking about how important it is for us to be what's infecting um, the world and not these negative things out there and let people take an hour and a half, hour 15 to escape and listen to something else and us talk about fun stuff for a change. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, That's actually, uh, I love that way of putting it. And, um, 
I mean, yeah, it's, it's sorry to, I'm, I feel like I'm butting in. But no, like, go I ahead. Just remember, like we usually re- record on a Thursday night and I remember, uh, last week recording the episode and being all gung ho for this, uh, virus list we were going to do. And it was then I think it was Monday morning. I think it set in where I was just like, I don't know if this is the best thing we should do and if it's in good taste and stuff. And, uh, I'm, I, I really want to do this list later on as well. Like, I think it's because, I mean, there's a lot of really cool movies and stuff that, are, you know, are virus-related stories. But um, it just kind of, you know, it's it just seems like the timing's a little off. But uh, like you said, hopefully eventually we can uh, kind of uh, talk about that in higher right. spirits and it won't so, feel so real. <laughs> right. So, well, people get understand where we're at in this thing. So in terms of, uh, this episode is not going to drop for like a week or so. So, so you understand where this goes. Um, it is currently uh, March 19th. So we are literally only in the first week of this quarantine shutdown, social distancing stuff. And, um, it's, it's getting weird. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, so, and so people understand what I mean by weird is some people get to work at home. Like Peter, you get to take your job and you get to work at home. Um, uh, I don't really talk about what I do on the show because everyone knows I changed jobs, but I've never really mentioned it. Um, I am a police community service officer, um, for the village of Lyle and I don't get to work from home. I have to go in every day and go get in my squad car and drive around and make sure people are safe because I'm a part of fi- police and fire. And, um, so it, I'm seeing it on a home front that I think a lot of people aren't realizing that we're seeing it. Um, what's nice though, is that like, I stopped in jewel just to make sure everything was okay. And they're just like, thank God you guys are out doing what you're doing. You know, I mean, we're getting a lot of nice messages and people are asking us if we need anything at the station. And unfortunately we can't have anyone in the station right now. You know, and people like around Christmas time, people would bring us cookies and to say thanks to the police department. It's great, but they can't do that right now. You know what I mean? So it's nice to know that people appreciate us and we're trying to be out there and do our thing. So, um, yeah, that's really all I can say about it. It's just, it's, it's really weird and surreal. And, um, there are some things out there. Um, now I've said, I said that I get really into this stuff last week. Um, I've actually read a handful of books on viruses because I'm interested. That has nothing to do with what's going on. It's just, I'm interested in that medium of thing. Like I like the idea. I just always liked the idea of it. So I read the hot zone and I read demon in the freezer and I read influenza and, um, you know, I'll watch movies and documentaries because I think it's interesting and uh-huh. there's things that are talked about on these CDC signed off projects that I've read through that are not being followed right now. And that's the part that scares me the most. Uh-huh. So where I get to say, you know, just like everybody else, I'm scared of this too, but it's, um, I don't get to really show it. So, and I'm not trying to bring this episode down. It's more like, Everyone wants to talk, but no one wants to talk. So, um, yeah, so we're going to move this virus discussion about movies and stuff to another date and uh, talk about some fun stuff tonight. Um, Unfortunately, it's a weird thing because we have news that is all based on this stuff. So (laughs) um, there's not a lot of news tonight, so we're going to hopefully get on some tangents. Um, uh, So how about this? Let's restructure the show a little bit. Because we're on virus stuff, let's talk about some news, um, because a lot of the news is related to this. Um, okay. And then we'll talk watching and reading, and then we'll watch, talk the list, because we'll just restructure the show tonight just because of the order of operations. 
Fair um, so first off, um, in the movies being pushed back, everything's getting pushed, everything's getting like canceled and postponed. Um, Black Widow, obviously, we knew that was coming. I kind of saw it coming. So when the announcement came, um, I wasn't surprised. What I was surprised was the Black Widow has been delayed indefinitely. With okay. no, with no essential. Same thing as uh, same thing as uh, New Mutants, where they didn't. They have like we don't know when we're gonna put it out. So yeah. um, that's. I feel like, and they want that uh, theatrical, you know, box office opening weekend. Um, I know, and I'm sure you'll mention this, but I know a lot of movies that already are out are going to video on demand a lot sooner than they would normally, just because. Um, because of this event, you know, we can't go to theaters and stuff like that. So they just start putting stuff out as soon as possible. Yeah, I've seen and, a couple stories like that. Yeah, and the good um, news on that is a lot of stuff is being released digitally early. Or there's stuff being, yep. re- like Universal had three movies that are being released video on demand as opposed to theater releases because they don't want to lose the opportunity to release yeah. the film. So, um, so yeah, that, that kind of sucks, but we'll get Black Widow at some point. Um... Netflix is being urged to slow down. You're right. <laughs> the Europe, yeah, the European. <laughs> well, this is like this is something I've thought about, um, because uh, with all of us working home at home, and we're thinking to ourselves, "Sweet, I'll get some video game time in, or I'll get to sit and watch some Netflix, and uh, yeah. I'll get to do some like internet related stuff." Uh, if people are not at work manning servers, that could cause internet collapse too. And uh, yeah. that's something that's not people don't think about when you think about this stuff. Um, so this story caught my attention when uh, the European the European Union has urged Netflix and other streaming services to restrict users from streaming in high definition to help ease bandwidth strain and concerns of surges for online traffic during the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. Um, that that I thought was kind of alarming, to be completely honest. So. Really. Yeah. I um I mean I think it makes total sense. Um it's something I would have never thought of before, but I think it's I mean it's absolutely like I it makes sense when hearing it. Um I'm one who's like I'm definitely not much of a snob as far as like definition goes and how I watch things like I still watch DVDs and stuff and I don't really mind that. Um so to me it like honestly has no effect on you know, my watching experience. I know there's some people who are more, and I don't say snob. I'm not like trying to talk bad about people. I just know some people care a lot more about that sort of thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, for me, I don't have a big opinion on this, (laughs) on this story, you know? Um, all right. So moving on, uh, friends. Um, so friends was supposed to have a reunion and, And they've said for many, many years, what, Friends ended in uh, 25, 26 years ago, and they kept saying it's never going to happen, we're never going to do a reunion, whatever, we've heard that David Schwimmer is the holdout, we've heard that Matt LeBlanc's the holdout, we've heard many different things. Um, Now that they're officially doing a reunion, the reunion has been officially postponed due to the coronavirus pandemic, and I'm like, all right, so maybe it's the Friends' fault uh, that we have the virus and they don't want, (laughs) and they just don't want to do a reunion show. Yeah. Um, all right. (laughs) I have, uh, this is a mind, this one's kind of mind blowing. This is like in that time, time warp kind of thing related to the, um, Jared Leto. Did you hear about this? Yes. Yeah. I heard about this. All right. So this is just bizarre. So 
Jared Leto tweeted this the other day, and this caught my attention, and just the idea of the idea of traveling back in time or, um, you know, I've, I've taken trips where I've been away from civilization for a couple weeks and had to come yeah. back and gone, what did I miss out on? So check this out. This is Jared Leto's tweet. Wow, 12 days ago, I began a silent meditation in the desert. We're totally isolated, no phone, no communication, etc. We had no idea what was happening outside the facility. Walked out yesterday into a very different world. One that's been changed forever. Mind-blowing, to say the least. Um, that is just... That's got to be trippy. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, in the craziest sense, that's got to be trippy. Yeah. I um, mean, you got to... So, you know about the uh, Mandela effect, of course, right? Yeah. I feel like we've talked about it on the podcast. But the idea of, like, going into a different um, timeline somehow and, like, things that you remember a certain way have changed. Like, I feel like I'd get a definite, like, Mandela effect feeling if, like, I went, you know, on a silent retreat separated from civilization and then I returned and there was a pandemic going on. Like, you, I think you'd definitely get this, like, am I even in the same timeline as I was before? Right. You know? It would just be such a weird feeling. Um, yeah, it's just, I just, that really kind of shook me. I was like, wow, that's bizarre. So, yeah. um, yeah, all right. Um, and he's, he's one of the only people, it's kind of weird to think about, he's one of the only people in the world who knows what that feels like. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like, has that specific sensation of, like, returning, like, halfway through this. So, it is very interesting to think about. Um, all right, so I have, uh couple more stories and then we're done um okay. one two of them two of them have nothing to do with the virus i'll save those for the end and one of them only has to do with the virus because um it has to happens because we're all social distancing and in our houses so seth rogan had a handful of tweets did you see these at all <laughs> or do you uh, not know no. what i'm talking about okay so seth rogan who everyone knows um he's famous for smoking weed um <laughs> Had a whole string of these tweets. If you want a good laugh, you got to read through them. I'm only going to read the first one. Um, so he tweets out, and this is just the start, and then um, it just follows from there. Um, he tweeted, I'm pretty stoned and watching Cats. I've never seen the Broadway show. It's truly trippy. Am I supposed to know what a jealousite is? They've said it 200,000 times, but I don't know what's happening. Ha ha. <laughs> um, and, then, and then, so he basically got pretty baked and decided to watch Cats, the new one. And I read through a handful of his tweets, and it just makes me, like, honestly kind of want to watch the movie now. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch Cats so bad just because I want to know, like, I just want to know, like, period, what, <laughs> right. what it is, you know, what it's like. Um I know going. A, I know going in the cats isn't good. I just thought it was funny. So Seth Rogen has a yeah. like he basically he basically got baked and live tweeted his viewing of the cats. Nice. So um, okay, two uh, two stories that are not related to the virus at all. Uh, Stephen Amell says he's done with the Arrowverse. Uh, okay. Basically, like obviously Arrow is over, so he's done being Arrow. Um, what saddens me to hear that is that means he's like I'm not coming back at all. Um, I would hope that if they had to do a cameo appearance, he'd be willing to come in and do something. Um, but he yeah. might be on the whole Tom Welling thing where he's like, I need to step away for a handful of years before that even happens. So, yeah, it is sad to hear he's been, 
he's been part of that like universe for what like 10 years now or something like that like it's been a a solid chunk of time for yeah. sure so i don't blame him for wanting to step step away um one of the biggest uh i guess like the part that saddens me a lot is uh Stephen amell was like such a good um nerd ambassador you know he was such a good um you know he was like an actor in one of the biggest superhero shows but he seemed to really use that to like bring like nerd culture and comic book culture to the uh masses in a way and i just like it's kind of sad to see him go in that respect yeah so well i like when i talked to him at comic-con it was very it was clear that it was a bittersweet kind of ending for him maybe he wasn't ready to go but maybe he understood the reasoning for the direction yeah. things had to go. I don't know, um, and that's something cool I, that's, that's something I didn't cool ask, and it's something I didn't want to ask. So right, and it'll be cool to see like what he ends up doing from here on out. You know, is he going to be in more you know like genre properties, or is he going to go a different direction? Yeah, yeah I don't know, um, but yeah, that's. I just thought that was interesting, but I'm sure they'll be able to get him back for a cameo at some point um, uh-huh. down the road, though. Um, all right, so last news story of the night, and then we'll talk about our watching and reading stuff and roll into our list for the night. Um, so, Ancient Black Hole. This is a science story, Peter. This has nothing to do with our normal nerd culture that we talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, I just thought this was interesting because in a world of pandemics, let's talk about something really scary. Um, scientists discovered a nearly 13 billion year old blazar, a supermassive black hole that generates huge levels of heat and light and it's pointed directly towards Earth. <laughs> uh, the scientists who discovered this estimate it's roughly a billion times larger than the Earth's sun. Um, in terms of space and all the weird stuff that we don't know about, that's awesome. <laughs> right. Um, I just thought it was great. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it. I'm not, like, the most knowledgeable about, like, space and stuff like that. It does sound like... <laughs> super weird and anytime you hear something like that that kind of reminds you how like insignificant like we really are you know kind of uh is humbling for sure yeah. um have you been hearing about i keep seeing stuff about the uh asteroid that's gonna be like floating past earth sometime soon or whatever uh no but sure why not okay. um <laughs> why why not add something else <laughs> Well, that's that's just uh, I think it's like over the summer there. It's you know it's like a near Armageddon style event where there's going to be this massive asteroid that uh, hurdles hurdles its way past Earth. But it's like how it's projected now is we're definitely a safe distance away. But it's just one of those like this almost could have destroyed us sort of things. So I see <laughs> articles pop up here and there about that. Um. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> I, I just I, it's funny I, the only reason I say it like that is just because like sure why not let's add to the crazy <laughs> crazy world that we're all freaking out about right now yeah um, alright uh, let's uh, let's talk um, let's hit our watching and reading category because I actually watched some stuff um, cool. since we last talked and it was before all this stuff happened um, so again it's March 19th and we're only a week in so when you're hearing this by the time this episode drops hopefully it's all over um, but I have a feeling that we're only on the tip of the iceberg in terms of this virus stuff, and I think we're a long way out. So, um, by the time you listen to this, we'll probably be in the middle of it. Um, so, watching and reading, uh, what do you got, man? Oh, I've actually, like, it's kind of funny, I have barely anything this week, because, uh, 
honestly, just because of the virus stuff, it's just like, I've been so distracted by that. And like, it's kind of, because it's like kind of always at the back of my mind, I haven't really been able to get into anything. So to be honest, I've been watching massive, massive amounts of Parks and Rec <laughs> just because like I get home from work and I just need something funny to like distract myself, like funny and familiar to distract myself from what's going on. So I've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec and that's great just because like I said, it's funny and familiar, but I, I don't have watch... anything super new and interesting to bring to the table this time. I thought you were going to watch uh, Castlevania. Yeah, and I'm still wanting to get into that. I just... Uh... I don't know, it's something about some of these shows, like Castlevania especially, I just, like, want to savor it, you know? And oh. I have to get in the right mind frame to just, like, kind of sit there and absorb it all. So, sure. um, haven't gotten into that one yet. Um, well, I, uh, that makes sense. So, it's funny that you bring up Parks and Rec because, so, with the day job and the fact that I'm kind of in the middle of, like, a lot of stuff going on because uh, working for police and fire, you're essentially, you're essential personnel for the village, right? So um, I get news constantly. So I turn on the news in the morning specifically for the weather, and then I turn off the news because I'm going to get it throughout the day because we have all the TVs and stuff going on at the PD. So I get all the virus stuff as I'm there. The um, So as soon as I get the weather off the news, I turn that off, and I've been spending my mornings watching uh, Parks and Rec before I go to work. <laughs> um, I love Parks and Rec. I've watched it a couple times through, and I've just been like, I just need a lighthearted comedy to go, and I just, it's so funny all the way through. The Have you seen it, or is this your first time going through um, the series? So I've done, like, uh, I've kind of, I watched it a bit when I was on TV, and, like, I've done, like, uh, on Netflix, I've kind of, like, started it, but never watched through the whole thing, so. All right. Um, yeah, it's, I'm kind of like pretty casual Parks and Rec fan, but I still like the show a lot. I'm gonna, I have a feeling you're gonna just probably go through it in, in its entirety at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give a small spoiler. Oh, I, I don't, I absolutely don't care okay. about spoilers okay. for this. Okay, this, uh, this is, you're gonna understand why I'm gonna give this spoiler. So the final season of the show takes place partial future for the show. Okay. Like the sh it does like a time jump into like another year. So it jumps to I think 2017. Okay. Um, so the the show takes so I think it jumps like a year, year and a half. So like it ends in like 2015 or whatever, and it jumps to 2017, and you get to see like where everyone's been for the past year. Okay. Um, you have to understand when you watch this is they filmed Parks and Rec that final season before things like the Cubs winning the World Series happened. <laughs> They made, like, predictions on the show that actually happened. Oh, jeez. But that season was filmed before any of it did. So it's really weird. <laughs> um, and I'm <laughs> like, wow, you guys, like, I don't know, like, where you guys got some information, but this is messed up. So they even re they referenced the Cubs winning the World Series and all that stuff, and you're like, that hasn't happened. Like, when this air show aired, it hadn't happened, but I watched it after the fact, so it had happened. <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah, so it's kind of cool, and that's the only thing I want to spoil for you because, like, just background stuff, you're gonna go, "Whoa, that's interesting." Um, yeah. So, um, and I know Simpsons is famous for you know uh, predicting weird things, but I just thought this show like really nailed it on a few things. So um, <laughs> right keep, keep an eye out when you get to that final season. Um, Simpsons has that just because of the mass amount of like just volume the Simpsons has put out, where like. They have so much references in there. It's like, coincidentally, they're going to predict a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's totally true. So I don't know. Parks and Rec's great. That's been kind of a nice little morning thing that I've been doing. Um, so did I talk to you about Toy Story 4 a lot back when it came out? I think you talked, I think you did a short review when it came out. Yeah. Okay. So I, it's on Disney plus. So I watched it. Um, this is not a good movie. Okay. I know, I know people love it and I know it got some Academy Award attention, but when I compare it to the other Toy Stories, like after Toy Story 3, nothing matters. Like the whole point of Toy Story 4, like is, it kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> the villain's not good. The overall story's kind of blah. Um, Woody, because Forky, the new toy that Bonnie makes out of, like, the garbage, um, he thinks he's trash, so he keeps trying to go to the garbage can. So for the first probably half an hour of the movie, Woody's on suicide watch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like the weirdest thing. There's some cute things in it, but for the most part, I'm watching this going... After watching the end of Toy Story 3, none of this matters at all. So, I don't know. I just, Toy Story 4, I I just, for me, like, it's kind of like Cinderella 2. It doesn't matter. Like, just forget that it exists. My my Toy Story ends. I stayed away from it just because I felt like Toy Story 3 was such a good ending to that series. Um, We did have it on one day, and I watched some of Toy Story 4, but... I kind of, it kind of like didn't hold my interest, so I ended up uh, not watching a lot right. of it, so maybe um, I'll give it another try. Well, in terms of cartoons, I watched Frozen 2, um, because of the because of the virus that dropped early on Disney+, Plus. so I watched Frozen mm-hmm. 2. Um, I gotta say that Frozen 2 was a joy to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what to think going into a sequel film, but it was really good. Um, you for sure need to see Frozen 1. Um, because I really feel the way this rolled to get, because there's people out there saying that Frozen 2 is better than Frozen 1. If you watch Frozen 2, you'll understand when I say this, I really feel like Frozen 1 and Frozen 2 is one movie. Um, it's, it, it's all, it almost has that like Kill Bill 1 and 2 kind of feel like where it's one film and they just kind of split it up. So they did, they really did their homework putting that together because it was an after the fact kind of thing to put that together. That's cool. Um, I really liked it a lot. Um, I think Frozen 1, I think, was a stronger story overall, because this one is bigger, but um, bigger in scope. Um, but I really liked it. They do, you do get um, some more insight into what happened to their parents when they were on the boat, and the reason why they left, like why they left on the boat, what happened to the boat, and all those fan theories about uh, Little Mermaid being connected and... Um, all that stuff. Uh, nope, sorry, not the case. Um, this is a completely isolated <laughs> thing. It has nothing to do. It's not. That wasn't an Easter egg. Nothing. So forget it. Okay. Um, but yeah. I'm sure you were so disappointed to hear that. <laughs> I know you love fan theories, right? Uh, well, some like okay. So the Frozen fan theory was that because um, their parents got on the boat. So let's go on a tangent for a minute. Their parents got on the boat to try and find a way to like how to deal with Elsa's powers. Uh-huh. And um, they, uh, the boat got caught in a storm, and you see the boat, you see the boat in the storm, and eventually the boat sank. So the parents died on the boat. Uh, the fan theory was that the boat sank in the ocean right near where Little Mermaid lives, 
So when you're watching Little Mermaid, the boat that she goes into, the sunken ship she goes into and finds the fork at the beginning of the movie is the boat that her parent, that Anna and Elsa's parents died on. Okay. That is a, actually, in terms of fan theories and stuff, I know how I feel about that, but I actually thought that one was kind of cool. Okay, nice. You know, I was like, that that's actually kind of a cool connection. And then I don't really know much about the Tarzan one, but there was another connection with Tarzan with um, that one, and I don't really know much about it. But if you watch... I think Fro- I have seen the Tarzan one before. I can't remember it either, though. But if you watch Frozen 2, you will discover that um, it is completely irrelevant and none of that possibly could happen because you learn <laughs> you learn why they were on the boat, you learn what happened to the boat, and where the boat is. And for sure, it can't be in the Little Mermaid's grotto. So. <laughs> nice. I, um, the Little Mermaid one is weird because I feel like it's a nice little touch, but I don't know that it enhances either story at all. <laughs> sure. Like, oh, this was their boat. Oh, this could have been their fork sort of thing. So. <laughs> well, the water effects in Frozen 2. So one of the things, uh, because I'm a, I play my fair share of video games, one of the big, like, every now and then someone brings up graphics and you start talking about how video games look as opposed to, like, gameplay and story. And eventually the graphics conversation is null and void because graphics are going to look better to a point and then you got to wait for, you know, the next generation console to get the graphics looking even better. And so graphics are kind of a weird argument. But one thing that I always look at in terms of graphics is how the water looks and the water effects. So when I'm watching like a CGI movie, like uh, when I'm watching a CGI show like The Clone Wars or if I'm watching a CGI movie like uh, Toy Story or Frozen... I'm always looking at water because that's probably one of the hardest areas to animate because it's constantly moving. Um, so I was blown away by Moana in terms of their water effects. And the other thing that caught my attention in Moana was the hair. Um, if you have like a really good HD TV, look at the watch Moana and just watch the hair and you'll be completely mesmerized. Um, at the animation quality, like it's, oh my, it's, it's incredible. Like watching their hair blow in the wind. Like, I'm just like, I was lost watching that, like as opposed to the movie. Um, that's cool. It makes me wonder, um, sorry, this is totally gone. Oh, off, go ahead. Off uh, on a tangent, but it makes me wonder like Moana compared to, um, the final fantasy movies like, uh, Advent Children or Spirit, Spirits Within. I know um, those movies are known for like having just tons of animators, like, animating all the individual hair strands and stuff so yeah so advent children i would need to see an hd version of it because i only haven't i've only seen it on dvd i've never seen it like on a blu-ray or like a 4k presentation um yeah the uh final fantasy 15 kingsglaive that film um that one kind of falls under the uh, moana line with the hair and stuff but either way there's so much action like you're kind of focused it's it's a different kind of story where moana has got enough downtime where you can look at the hair for a minute and go holy god that's amazing um <laughs> right but no i see if you haven't seen if you haven't watched moana or you have and you haven't paid attention to the hair go watch it and watch the hair um but no in frozen <laughs> nice. in frozen the hair the hair effects i thought were really good entangled i thought the hair effects were really good <laughs> if you had like a uh, award ceremony would one of the uh, awards be like best animated hair <laughs> uh yeah and moana would take it um <laughs> nice yeah uh, but no, the water effects in Frozen 2 were really, really cool. Like, they were really impressive. Um, and that's something that I was 
like, and I knew there was some water water scenes because of the trailer, um, but some of the stuff they did with water in this was, it was kind of mind-blowing to watch. Like, you guys really did your homework. And, um, and then Elsa actually gets to ride a water horse, which is amazing. Um, so, and that's, and that's part of that water effect thing. And like the horse's mane, like the way it like dripped off, like it was just, it was cool, dude. So I highly that's recommend awesome. that. Um, I also watched, uh, the live action Aladdin. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's I've heard good things about this one, actually. So I was very against live action Aladdin. Like I was kind of making fun of it a little bit. Cause like, seriously, are we really doing this? <laughs> um, and then I was all against like Will Smith as the genie a little bit. I was like, nah, who cares? This is not, this is going to be weird. Um, and then I wasn't really thrilled with the casting. Not necessarily. Yeah, the, not the necessarily casting did seem off like from the get go at that movie. But, well, uh, it, it sort of did. Well, the, the casting that I had a problem with was Will Smith as the genie and the guy who played Aladdin. Um, oh, so, really? Yeah, no, I just didn't think he physically looked the part. Um, what I, I, I felt, so I haven't seen it yet, but I felt like Jafar seemed off to me. Like, oh. I felt like they kind of, like, ha- they had, like, a pretty boy Jafar going on, where oh. I kind of wanted somebody a little bit more crotchety and not so pretty, I guess. <laughs> um, I'll get to Jafar in a minute. <laughs> because watching the trailer, I didn't really have a problem with Jafar, because I didn't really know what to think. I'll yeah. get to him in a moment. Um, overall... The Aladdin film was actually really good and a lot of fun. Uh, there were nice. like a couple pieces that were added in just for the sake of the movie and like contract uh, adaptation from page to screen. When you think about the animated film versus the live action, they needed to do a couple things here and there. So the pieces that were added were great. But um, Will Smith really surprised me as the genie. I really enjoyed him as the genie. It was awesome. That's um, cool. The guy who played Aladdin. Um, he was actually really good. I ended up liking him. Like from the very first scene you see him in, I was sold on him. And not only that, his voice like almost perfectly matched the films, the animated films voice. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. that really caught my attention. Um, a surprise in the movie, uh, Nassim Pedrad from Saturday Night Live, uh, plays Jasmine's handmaiden and she was fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, she had a lot of the comic relief that you didn't expect, and uh, she was great. Uh, so that was a nice. Uh, when I saw her name in the credits, I'm like, really? And then like I started, and then when she appeared in the movie, I'm like, oh my god, this is brilliant, and it was just awesome. Um, and then uh, yeah, so overall the movie was great. But let's talk about Jafar for a minute. Um, Jafar in the animated film is a scary villain. Um, he looked scary. His voice was scary. He was menacing in the right ways, and he was actually a villain you you worried about. The the Jafar in the animated film, he's a bit of a weenie. Um, not in the pretty boy sense, but in the um, his voice is not menacing. As an actor, he's not menacing. As a character, I don't care about him. And you're just yeah. like, oh, there's Jafar. Who cares? Who gives a shit? <laughs> um, so Jafar was kind of a moot point, and I just didn't care at all. It was dumb. Um, that, that, that really sucks. Because I know, I feel like uh, I've seen a lot of people online complaining about, like, and this is probably a topic we could explore in length, like, later on, but just uh, the lack of, like, good villains nowadays in pop culture. Like, there's a lot of... Uh, stories that don't even focus on villains lately i feel like a lot of them is just like everybody's trying to reach some you know common goal or something like that yeah yeah um 
And so, like, that kind of sucks, because Jafar is, like, a super memorable memorable villain as far as, like, animated movies goes, so... He is, um, and I was just... I, I really think Jafar would have been... I think they would have had a much better... Like, and I know they were trying to be... I know they didn't want to whitewash the movie, and I know they wanted to have it very pertinent to that. Like, it's the movie takes place in Arabia, so they wanted to have actors who fit the bill. They didn't want to, like, put a white actor in the role and then get land-blasted, like, the way the social media happens. But I really think, and this is this is the one role in the movie that I really think they needed a, a, a big-name actor for. Um... To be to do some real heavy lifting because Jafar needed to be a good villain and he just wasn't. So the movie yeah. overall was really fun, but Jafar is very forgettable in this live action version. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, so that's the one time that I'm gonna say sorry. You guys should have whitewashed that role because you would have gotten a much better <laughs> like or not or just found like have some like Idris Elba could have played Jafar and it would have been astounding. Um, right. So just found a better, like, you just needed a bigger name actor who really had some real acting chops to play that role. So I thought, I honestly thought they were going to go with, uh, like, Ben Kingsley or something for Jafar, but um, honestly, like, it's good to hear that um, the movie overall was good, even if they, you know, I, even if Jafar wasn't the best villain you've ever seen. Like, yeah, I will uh, say uh, that I recommend it. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing about the movie, uh, in terms of my quick review or my quick long review is there's a ton of set work. Yeah. Tons that's, of it. That's great. Um, as opposed to like CGI environments. Now, for sure, a lot of the Cave of Wonders had to be CGI and, you know, just because of what it was. But the Agrabah scenes, the streets, the commoners, like the area where like Aladdin spends a lot of his time, it's all set. Uh, right. The, and that's so like I don't even. So when I think of live action Aladdin, I don't even have like like i don't care that the cave of wonders is going to be cg because like the stuff i want to see is like the the you know the marketplace and kind of the uh the alleyway like kind of parkour sort of scenes and yeah all that stuff is what i i'm interested in because that sounds like badass to see in live action yeah it was all set and then uh like i and the and the and the palace was all set i mean probably some of the wide shots were uh cgi just for like the buildings but like yeah. the interior stuff and there were some cool parkour scenes in the interior that he had to do and um yeah it, like it's it was cool. Uh, obviously, the uh, carpet flying, a whole new world scene, that was CG because, you know, of what they have to do. But uh, yeah. But it was a big set, so when they had some chase scenes in the streets, it was legit, like, set work. And that's something that's really cool because you get practical effects out of it. Um, yeah, get, that, that sounds pretty neat. Does the, um, like, the palace look exactly like the animated movie? Um, no, it's a little different. Oh, really? Um, it's oh, a little okay. different, and I really kind of liked the look of it. Um, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I really did. Uh, I think the animated movie was a little over the top, like a little Taj Mahal looking. Um, yeah. Where this looks more realistic for the okay. geography. So, okay, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was overall really good. Um, okay, I'm almost done. I got one more item. <laughs> Well, it's watching. No, it's, it's good that you watched a lot because I didn't watch it like anything. It's just right. funny. <laughs> well, this is not a watch. This is a read. Um, okay. Shortly before this show, uh, shortly before we recorded, um, the I pre-ordered this a while back. The uh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount, 
which is the uh, campaign setting for Dungeons and Dragons, the book came out, which, um, if you know Critical Role, this is the book that is the Critical Role content um, cool. by Matt Mercer and that group over there. And then, so I have been exploring that book, and it's a wonderful read thus far. Uh, so there. Yeah. Um, so is it, just curious, is it, so you said it's a campaign book, so you can actually play it? Well, so it's, okay, is so. It, is it like a novel based on well, the campaign? So this is, it's a, it's a, it's a campaign setting. So the way it works is uh, D&D has, uh, they have obviously the, the rule books and what they have like the player's handbook, the dungeon master's guide and the monster manual. Those are like the three core books to play the yeah. game uh, or for the dungeon master to work with. And then you have the published adventures. So Dragon Heist, uh, City of Waterdeep, that's a published adventure. So cover to cover, it's a, it's a campaign that you would play. This is a campaign setting where it's the history and background and everything about a specific continent. Okay. So it's all the story stuff that a dungeon master would need to create a campaign on that continent using all the critical role um, background. It's all the background information from everything that takes place in the show Critical Role. Um, okay. Because that show takes place on the continent, so it's everything you would need if you wanted to explore that continent. And then in the back of the book, they have all the new character options and all the tools for the DM to create campaigns in that setting. So it's basically like, here's a whole new continent, here's all the information you need, have fun. Okay, um, nice. So yeah, it's it's really cool. And then getting a chance to you know go to C2E2 and um, see the cast and go to the, the panel and whatnot and listen to the, them talk for a little bit was actually really cool to add on to the fact that I get back from C2E2 and I'm suffering from post-con blues and then the critical role book arrives and i'm like yes here we go so <laughs> that's great um so yeah real quick uh before we go on to the list uh you mentioned you started listening to the c2e2 uh show uh how far did you get out of curiosity because you haven't because oh, you man. didn't go with me it's, so i was curious as to where you ended up stopping before we recorded. honestly i think i'm still only somewhere in the first um uh panel that you cover i can't remember or okay. like, I'm trying to remember what all I heard. I heard the uh, interview with the, um, the uh, Star Wars creator that you interviewed. Oh, it was uh, it was that, from um, Del Rey. Um, yeah, and he then, was from and Del then Rey I got book, into so. like there was the first panel, and I think that's about as far as oh, I got okay. into it. I haven't been commuting as much, so I just haven't listened as much as I want to actually. Okay. But that's cool. The reason I ask is because right after the Jim Lee panel, um, I talked to cosplayer Hannah Balecki. Um, she uh, she was a great. Uh, I, I know if you listen to the episode, the C2E2 episode already, you you know I've already said she was a great. I was it was great to talk to her and it was a really fun interview. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because um, Hannah uh, gave us a shout out on our Instagram page. Um, oh, awesome! So I just wanted to say, Hannah, uh, I know you're listening and I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the shout out. Yeah, thanks. Um, with that being said, uh, you want to talk the list for the night? Yeah, definitely. Great. Um, all right, so Ryan, um, here's the list. Uh, so play the thing. And now for the top five. All right, so you back? We're ready? Hell yes. Yes, all right. Okay, here we are. We're back and ready to go. Um, all right, so we were going to do our favorite virus movies, virus stories, that kind of thing, and it sounded like a really fun list, and like I said at the top of the show, I, it's too close to home right now. Um, 
But so in lieu of the viruses situation, we are um, all stuck at home. We're all doing cool shit uh, because we don't know what to do with ourselves. So we're watching Netflix. We're clearing out our DVRs. We're working on projects like my wife um, doesn't really know how to handle it right now. So she is trying to do find projects for herself. And she has literally and when I say literally full meaning of the word literally repainted the entire house. Um, I got home on Monday night from work and she had painted the ceiling in the kitchen and the living room and she repainted our daughter's bedroom. She repainted the living room. She repainted the dining room. And when I say repainted, like moved all the furniture, painted the walls, moved everything back. Um, (laughs) so, uh, my house is completely repainted with all new colors. Um, and she's just running out of stuff to do real fast. So we're all finding things to do. So I thought it'd be really fun to talk about some things that we are doing. Um, so this list is basically a top five, uh, what are you doing with your quarantine downtime? Um, one of the things when I was putting my list together, Peter, is I was thinking about when I was doing my list, I was like, Ooh, we have all this time. So people who are actually using it constructively, there could be some really cool stuff. So, for example, when I get to go to C2E2 next year or the next con I get to go to, you guys had all this extra time to work on your cosplay. So what amazing things am I going to see? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Or these writers that can't go into work. So what amazing television we got coming or amazing films we got coming because people have to sit home and work quietly and not you know or who's going to release the next novel that's going to be absolutely astounding because they had all this time to do it and they were didn't have other distractions you know like i need some escape away from the real world so i'm going to work on my thing and it's gonna and it's just like what's happening like and it really made me think there could be some really cool stuff that come out of this event and that's probably the most positive piece of this whole thing that's actually a good point like could this event like kickstart a new like mini renaissance in a sort of way you right? know, as far as like movies and tv and just uh you know content creation and general it, it, you know it that's a could really cool um way to look at it it could form some uh really dumb stuff too like the assaulted nuts improv group starts performing on a regular basis or something and you're just like no not the insulted nuts i don't know i just came up with a name but <laughs> okay, i was like should I know what this is? <laughs> no, I just the first thing that came to mind. I'm like assaulted nuts. That yeah. sounds like an ins- improv group. Why not? <laughs> nice. Um, so, like I said, uh, there could be some really, but there could be some really cool stuff. Like when they had the the writers' strike that happened years ago, we got Quentin Tarantino out of that um, because the yeah. writers weren't working. And then here comes Tarantino, this fresh like breath of fresh air in Hollywood. So we could, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like we could see some really cool stuff in the fall out of this. So let's, let's all see what happens. So that being said, um, top five things that we're going to do with our quarantine downtime. We're only a weekend. So what do we have planned? Um, Peter, I'm going to let you go first. Cause this was my idea to change the list. So I have no honorable mentions by the way. Okay. Um, I have two and I can do them really quick. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, it's actually, um, so I've been borrowing a movie from you as well as Scott, and I still haven't watched them, so that's high up on my list. I was Um, wondering about that, so... So, and that is John Carpenter's Vampires, and uh, I borrowed Cape Fear from Scott. Both movies have been mentioned on the show. 
both movies I haven't seen, but I'm excited to watch them. So, uh, yeah, cool. I'm sorry that I borrowed those no, no, no. <laughs> so long, but I'm looking forward to sitting down and actually giving them a watch. So, Dude, it's understandable. I forgot that you had it, and I was doing something in my living room, and I was like, oh, yeah, he still has that. So, cool. <laughs> right on. Um, and then we can go on to my my first pick, I guess. Oh, um, that Cape Fear was another was your other honorable mention. Okay. Yep, yeah, both of those. <laughs> Um, so I kind of structured my list a little bit as like, what will I be watching and reading? But, uh, I do have some constructive stuff on there as well. Um, but the first one is, uh, Lock and Key. Um, this is like the slowest I feel like I've ever started a TV series because I've watched the first two or three episodes, but I keep kind of getting taken away from it, even though I really, really love the show so far. So I'm just really looking forward to hunkering down and actually like giving that like a nice solid watch through that I can savor and enjoy. So I got you. Yeah. Um, lock and key. I haven't even touched yet. Um, I need a minute to, I need a minute to screen it. Cause I want to see if Wendy will watch it with me, but I have to kind of screen it before that. So it's um, not too, uh, from what I've seen so far, it's not really that scary. You know, it's like kind of, a. More From what I've seen, at least, it's kind of a low-grade PG-13 level scary. Like it's, I don't think it's anything. I still may you know, need. Like I some... still may need to screen it before she watches with me. So. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, but yeah, so Lock and Keys, it's on my list. Just it, how about this? It made the short list. It just didn't make the overall list because you'll understand as this goes. So. Yeah, that's um, all right. So is it my first one? Yes. All right. So. I don't get the quarantine downtime that a lot of people do. Um, like I said earlier, I basically have to go sit in a squad car and patrol streets and, you know, serve and protect, if you will. So um, I'm getting normal downtime, but these are the things that I'd like to do as they arrive because things are being canceled. So, like, events that I'm being, events that I'm usually a part of aren't happening or like this thing that I was going to do isn't happening. So I'm getting these, like my life is clearing up. I just have to work around work. So, um, that said, the first item on my list is I have a script that's partially done, um, for a play that I'm supposed to direct and I'm writing and directing a play that I'm supposed to work on for next February. So I want to work on the script over this time and I hope I get a chance to do so. So cool. That's yeah. awesome. Um, I know, like, you probably don't want to say anything about it, um, since it hasn't come out yet. Can you give me, like, a genre or it's, um, like so the, all right, so you came and saw the first show that I wrote and directed, um, which was a murder mystery, and the idea was to do it as a mystery dinner theater, so, yeah. uh, and that was, like, a murder mystery adventure kind of a thing, and, yeah, that's um, a perfect way of explaining it too which i thought was awesome and they um and they wanted me to do another one but i don't want to do the same kind of mystery i want to do something different so yeah. um i thought it'd be kind of fun to and this so when i write anything there's a question i always ask there's a couple questions i ask myself um i uh, I'm a bit of a hopeless romantic at heart, so I always try and shoehorn in a love story into this, like, whatever the overall story is, I try and shoehorn in a love story. So once I have my characters figured out and my ending figured out, I think to myself, what's the love story? That's the first question I ask. Um, and the second question, most more important than anything, what's the adventure? Um, 
And once I have the answers to those questions, the story just kind of finds itself. So this is a different type of murder mystery, but it's a, or not a murder mystery, but it's a mystery. Um, I was thinking it'd be kind of cool to do it as a heist story, um, which is a little challenging on a stage because you have to have misdirection enough to hide. You have to have the mystery, but it's also going to be more of a who done it as opposed to not who done it in terms of killing someone, who done it as in who stole the thing. Um, so it creates, it's a, it's a different type of mystery, if that makes sense. Okay. So, cool. um, yeah, that sounds that's awesome. kind of all I want to say about it right now because it's still early and, um, I know if people are listening it you know, it's still early enough that I don't want someone to hear it and go, Ooh, that's, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I understand that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For people who could be listening, that could go see it and that kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. So, but yeah, awesome. what's, what's, well, what's number four on your list? Okay, so uh, going from that to uh, something we've actually already mentioned on the show, but uh, Castlevania Season 3, I am also looking forward to devouring that. Um, I love this show uh, based on the first two seasons. Like, it's awesome. Um, so I'm just really excited about Season 3. Like, just you, haven't had a chance to watch it yet. And I know I had my... Uh, I know that I made my comment earlier... Uh, when I talked, when I gave my brief review on Castlevania, that it was a, uh, how do I want to word this? Um, I thought it had a different pacing. And the more I think about it, the more I'm happy with the season. Like, it's just, like, I loved it overall, but I remember I complained about the pacing a little bit. And I'm like, no, it's really good. Um, and yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> all right. So, number four on my list, um, I got a. I was going to do this in a different order, but I'm throwing this out here right now, is uh, Titan Season 2. Um, okay. I'm planning on watching that if I can squeeze it in in this quarantine time. So um, I really I loved the first season a lot. Um, I am planning on getting through uh, second se- the Season 2 and actually seeing where they go with the Deathstroke stuff and Robin becoming Nightwing. And um, if you remember how the Season 1 ended, what's going on with Raven. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's another one that should have been on my list, but, uh, yeah, I've watched like the first couple episodes of season two and I was liking it a lot. I just fell off, but, um, I guarantee that we're uh, not going to match by the way. Huh? We're not going to match by the way. I don't think at all. Oh, I don't think we will either, but, um, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, we can keep going. I don't, (laughs) I don't remember what else. Yeah. It's all good. uh, It's all good. So number um, three, what do you got? Yeah, my next one is actually another superhero thing, but it's in the anime realm, and that is uh, My Hero Academia. I think season four is the season they're on right now. Uh, This is something that was on my top five uh, TV shows that I was looking forward to in uh, 2019, and uh, I still haven't watched it, and I'm really disappointed, but um, I guess just because of oversaturation, I haven't been like chomping at the bit to watch a lot of superhero stuff lately but uh the thing about this show and season four is um the hideout raid arc is uh one of the main ones it focuses on and if you read the manga or watch the show you know what that means and you know there's like a lot of awesome stuff that happens there so i'm really looking forward to that so cool um yeah cool all right where am i (laughs) um all right so the next one i'm gonna we're just blasting this, by the way. <laughs> we are. Um, I'm going to go on. I have my final two that I'm going to talk about. I have a little bit more to say on them in terms of reasons nice. of things. So, um, yeah. Um, 
So this one, uh, Doom Eternal, uh, nice. re releases tomorrow. <laughs> um, so like I said, this is uh, March 19th, time of this recording. So um, my Xbox is primed and ready to get Doom Eternal. Um, and I bought it digitally, so I don't have to go out to a store. Um, I actually, most of the games I get now are digital, so I don't actually have to go to any stores. Um, which is awesome. Um, I'm really excited for this. It just looks astounding. And I was like... The last Doom game was not the greatest, but um, when they were announcing, really? when they announced this at last E3, oh man, this game just caught my attention, and like it, and it's got the the early reviews have been like through the roof, so I just can't wait. Um, Why didn't you like the last Doom game? It that just much? it didn't it the the control feel was kind of weird, and like overall, it just didn't feel like Doom um, to me. Okay. So it just it it felt like There's they more gameplay stuff. it felt like they phoned it in if that's a good okay. way of wording it um, compared to the predecessors it just didn't feel as solid as it could this game looks like a completely different monster and like they basically took all the criticism from the previous game and went all right we gotta like step it up guys so yeah this looks so good um, yeah with the uh, the the most recent Doom game besides this one um, I just hadn't heard any like anybody say anything bad about it so i was just kind of surprised to hear that um i uh a lot of newer video games i don't have a lot of time to play so i haven't played much of it but like i love the aesthetics i love watching people play like the first one looked awesome i'm kind of looking forward to enjoying uh this new one in that way um but yeah i don't know if i'll actually play it or not yeah no i hear you um, um but that actually could kind of lead into my next one pretty well which sure. is uh just video gaming in general like uh i, I definitely want to do more of that with uh, <clears throat> this quarantine time because i love playing video games and i actually haven't played a lot mostly because uh my son is at the age where he likes to crawl around and get into things so we kind of have our video games <laughs> and dvd players and vcrs and all that kind of boarded off in a sense so i haven't like played like any video games in a long time uh but most of what i have is like pretty old school stuff like i'm always playing the uh old tony hawk games like when i do play video games like i'm constantly playing those but i also have like uh the nez classic and the snez classic i kind of want to do a deeper dive in because i got those for christmas presents like years you know a couple years ago but I haven't played them in super long, and I know there's some really good games on there um, that I want to kind of, like, spend some time with, you know, and this would be the perfect time for that, so. <clears throat> yeah, right on. Um, I didn't match on that, but I'm saving something similar to the end, so we'll get to That's that fair. in a moment. Um, so I talked about people getting a chance to work on stuff in their downtime and amazing things like cosplayers, what are they going to do, that kind of stuff. And in a world where we get to socialize and play games or, you know, sit at bars and drink or whatever you're doing, um, what are we going to do and that kind of stuff. And uh, I mentioned I was got to read the, uh, ex the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount from the Critical Role content for D&D. Um, so I plan on doing a little bit of campaign work for the game that I'm running uh, currently. So my players who are potentially listening... Um, you guys got some real interesting adventures coming your way because of some things that I've been reading about and, um, the, uh, uh, 
a couple dungeons I have mapped out. Let me put it that way. Because um, I've been, I started playing, um, I started running a campaign with uh, a group of people who've never played D&D. Because um, they were just curious and they started asking questions. And you see it on Big Bang Theory or you see it on Stranger Things. And people are like, what is this? How does this work? I'm curious, yeah. you know. And then you go to like a convention like C2E2 and it's everywhere. I mean, yeah, the Critical Role people were there. So D&D had a heavy presence at the con. But I have friends who have been like, I don't know what this is, but I've always been curious. So yeah. I took, I put together a uh, kind of a one-shot adventure to play with a group of people just this you know and i and i specifically designed it with new players in mind so i put it together we played they liked it so much that they all went out and bought dice and they all went out and bought their own miniatures um and um and now i've taken that one shot adventure and i started creating these little like one every time we've gotten together it's been like these little one shot adventures that pick up where the last one left off um, and they're designed in terms of I have a new player show up. But what's nice, though, is playing with new players who don't know the game because they think about things differently and they don't like they won't be like, well, hold on a second. Isn't there a rule about because they're not doing that? They're not thinking that way. Um, they're focusing on the story and they're focusing on the decisions they have to make and the group collective social problem solving and the collective social storytelling and that kind of thing. So it's been really kind of a joy to run that game um so i've been taking some of my downtime already since monday and doing some extra campaign work it's been it's been really interesting so i kind of can't wait to see what my players got to say so that's when, cool and that's that's really interesting because i feel like um like i'm not the biggest uh tabletop gamer but i think like there is a difference between when you get these like really hardcore gamers who are like really into uh sometimes really into combat and the stats of Dungeons and Dragons. And there is like a level, I think at least where it takes away from the story when like it's too focused on sort of like statistics where right. like I'm one who leans a lot more towards the story and the role playing aspects to it. So it honestly sounds like you've got a really fun group going there to be, to be honest. Yeah. Right now it's really good. And, um, if and I know some of them, I ran into a couple of the players from my group at C2E2, um, and we walked around the floor and um, we walked around the floor a little bit together, which was kind of fun. But um, I, I will say, and I know that there's no way they know what this is. I picked up a miniature that uh, they may have to face soon in a battle that uh, I've been saving as a big surprise. So, <laughs> how about this? I walked, I walked, I walked over to the booth. Uh, I found the miniature. I've been. I was specifically looking for it. I grabbed it. It was like he had a big rack, and it was like almost all empty, and there was like three of them left. And I walked over to him, and he's like, "Is that the last one?" And I go, "No." And he goes, "Yeah, because they're not gonna last another hour." And I'm like, "I didn't think so." So I was kind of glad I found it. Um, and then oh, they, cool. And then they were gone. So like when I ran into my players, and they were looking, and they ended up at that booth at one point. I was like, "Thank God they're gone." And I said, "I bought a mystery figure from here." Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's cool. So, I was, um, I was laughing because I was wondering if they're gonna be as amazed by the uh, surprise figure as you're hoping they're gonna be. Um, you know, I but. I think they're gonna be amazed because uh, it's they. Luckily for me, they actually took a creature from the monster manual and made it um, a, a piece, a miniature piece. So when we yeah. actually get to that battle, it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. So nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, 
yeah, and since they don't know enough about D&D, it doesn't really matter because they're just going to be as surprised as they can be. Because the, the big stuff I've thrown at them, they've all been like, what is that? So <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it'll be good. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, that's... Um, Alright, so your final pick of the night. Yeah, that actually uh, leads really well into my final pick because uh, you remember Griffins and Gargoyles from Riverdale? <laughs> yeah, of course. And you're like gonna, the Gargoyle King. Yeah. Um, you're gonna do so a Gargoyle King cosplay. Like Gargoyle King, and uh, make a Gargoyle King esque gang and terrorize the streets. Oh, for real? That's your plan? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> you know what? That makes complete sense in the chaotic world we're living in. <laughs> <laughs> right on. No, um, actually, this one's actually closer related to the first um, pick of yours tonight. Um, I'm actually working on a. Uh, so I've. For a while, I'd, I had been working, like, off and on on this uh, webcomic, and uh, I kind of, uh, it's one of those things where I'd been working on the story so long that I kind of got sick of it, and there's, like, this new comic idea that I have that I'm actually really sort of reinvigorated about and uh, that I've kind of started working on, so I'm kind nice. of really excited to just get it, you know, dig into that, and um, I don't know, I don't want to say too much, Um it kind of is a uh, more of like a horror anthology comic, um, you know, along the lines of like Tales from the Crypt or something like that. But uh, cool. there's a lot of really cool stuff that I've got planned for it that I'm interested in. And, uh, you know, it's it, since it's an, it's an anthology, it's going to be like kind of a collection of short stories, more or less. And uh, I'm kind of working on writing the first story right now, but it's... Uh, it's one that I actually like. It kind of gives me chills while I'm writing, so I'm actually really excited about this one. Nice, so. and that's usually the best ones. Yeah, so. exactly. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, well, if you're not ready to talk more about it, then I won't pressure you to do it's, so. It's one of those, like, in the hopefully near future, I'll have more to say about it. Okay. Um, but I, I will say, like, the way I plan on pun publishing it is, like, one story at a time. So I'll probably, like, release something, and you'll get, like, a full short story. And then the next time I release something else, it'll probably be a full short story again, unless I have, like, a really, really long one I'm working on. But, uh, yeah, so there should be some complete, like, uh, chapters, at, you know, so to speak, that, you know, everybody will be able to read. So Nice. Um, all right, so my last one, you mentioned video games in general. Um, my last one is kind of a generic way of saying video games, but it's Xbox Live. It's uh, Xbox what? Xbox Live, um, okay. in a general sense. And here's the thing. There was this really funny meme that I saw when uh, a lot of the uh, stay-at-home schools closing announcements were happening, and the meme was basically... <laughs> It said, it was like this block of text that just said, everyone, and it said, I don't know what I'm going to do during this quarantine, I'm going to get so bored. And then the bottom was a picture of a guy with a headset on, and it just said, gamers, it was it was like I was made for this. Um, <laughs> which, it made me laugh, because that is the first thing I thought of, is we're all getting online, we're all going to play Halo, Call of Duty, you know, it any game that you could play socially you're talking to your friends on the headset we're all going to jump in parties and you know, just run around and have fun because that's what gamers do it's like that's what we want to do all the time we don't want to sit like we'd rather do that than most other things yeah. um, and here's a time where no one's going to tell us no because there's nothing else to do 
<laughs> so we're all going to hop online and we're all going to be talking about whatever. We're all going to be laughing and having a good time playing games. And even though it's not necessarily sitting around a table rolling dice, it's we're still being constructive and being social and having the social interactions in a safe environment and doing our thing. And it really shows the power of what video games can be in a world where sometimes video games get berated for being too violent or gory or, you know, sending the wrong message. And this is a situation where we just want to be around people and have conversations and talk and laugh and just have a good time. And Xbox Live is going to allow us to do that or the PlayStation Network or playing Fortnite. It doesn't matter how you're doing it. Um, you're getting to play with people and have that social power. Um, so Xbox Live in a general sense, like I was actually thinking about trying to find some people and saying, hey, we should all get on Halo this weekend. Let's who's got who's who wants to hop on, you know. So, um, yeah. And that's the whole ultimate point. And I think uh, the video game companies are like, oh, my God, we just, you know, this is exactly where we are. And it brings us back to the why don't we have the Oasis? Because to be completely honest, in a situation like this, we'd be all logging into the Oasis and there wouldn't be a court. There wouldn't be any viruses because we'd be like, yeah, we can stay home. We got it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, so, uh, yeah. So Xbox Live in a general sense. And I know it's kind of piggybacks on your video game things, but just the idea of being able to stay social and do things that we like doing during this time is just it's so huge so yeah i i love this one because uh i mean i've got groups of friends who uh literally most of the time when we hang out we just gather and play video games but the thing is like there is like that social interaction aspect of it and uh it's something where we've got so many good stories about like we were playing a game and then this happened or somebody reacted this way. And it actually does like create good memories and stuff, but also like in like the kind of dark times that we are like this kind of shows that like, yeah, we might actually get some more time to play video games with our friends. And even though, you know, we can't be physically near them, you know, we're still finding time to do the things that we probably didn't have time to do before. And like, it's just awesome to, you know, create those new memories like that. And yeah, this is a great one. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of my list. So, um, (laughs) that kind of brings us to the end. Um, uh, Peter, what are we, what are we doing next week? What's our list? So, yeah. Um, I wanted to do this one specifically because of everything that's going on in the world. And, uh, we're all feeling like really shut in and we're kind of feeling held back from doing all the things that we want to do. And I kind of wanted to just kind of, fantasize on about a lot of stuff that I would want to be doing if I could. And uh, so I thought it'd be cool to do our top five nerdy travel destinations. So you can literally pick anywhere that you want to travel. Obviously we can't right now, but it's kind of cool to think about at the moment. And uh, just, you know, as long as it has a nerdy or pop culture, you know, aspect related to it, I think like anything goes. Okay. So Um, I I think this list is a really, really cool idea. Just, it just face value but i have to yeah. ask are these real world nerdy destinations yes. or is this um fantasy destinations like for example if i wanted to go to uh midgar from final fantasy 7 okay um so i honestly was thinking real world okay perfect but... perfect done okay the reason i, I, I say I that wanna, i don't, don't want to hold you back because i didn't think of the fantasy aspect i was just thinking like so like if you really wanted to go like to a certain like 
place you've seen in a movie you could go like where they actually filmed that for example but oh sure yeah um, yeah, yeah i i was originally thinking real world unless you think it'd be better to open it up but i think it could go either way but i wanted to ask you before i started compiling my list right and i was thinking like as long as it's somewhere you really want to go like if you have been there before that's probably still okay because chances are you want to go back so so i think that could work so yeah awesome Perfect. All right. So, um, I'm actually I'm actually glad you asked that question so that we're on the same page this time. <laughs> well, a lot of times I think it's cool that when we interpret lists differently. Um, yeah. Because it makes for cool conversation, but it's also good because this is one because when you said as soon as you said it, I thought real world, and then I was like, hold on a second. No, so. I, I absolutely do, I absolutely do want to do real world because it is that sort of just thinking about it a little bit more right now, like it is that sort of like once this quarantine is over and once things go back to normal, like these are things we can look forward to yeah. in either the near or distant future. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I worry that my whole list will be star Wars related, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, at any rate, um, in all seriousness with all this virus nonsense going on, um, we, we want to try and be a positive force out here. We want to be an escape for you guys. We want to be the virus that's infecting your ear holes while you, uh, um, clean the house or paint your living room or whatever it is you're doing in this downtime. So, um, we're going to be here. We're not going anywhere. Um, we'll be here each and every week and, um, yeah. So let's, let's have some fun and enjoy because the show must go on if we will. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do you have anything to add to that, Peter? Um, no, I think you said it perfectly. Just like okay. I absolutely agree. We want to be a positive voice out there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just stay safe. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. Do your thing. Do it. Listen to what they're telling you. Uh, don't be stupid. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's put that in the can. So, there's another episode in the bag, Peter. Um, that's episode 86. So, um, yeah, let's call it a night. How's that? Um, Sounds great. So if you guys would, check us out on our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook. Um, you can also find a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Uh, there you can interact with the show or hit us up on our social media. Uh, you can also subscribe to us. We are on Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Um, if you subscribe to us, you will not miss a single episode, and you can also leave us a review. Um, we love the five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be letting everyone know when the Assaulted Nuts Improv Group is going back on tour. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, uh, for the top five report, I'm Drew. And uh, stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next week.